If you have your Bible this morning, if you turn with me to John 14, verse 23. John 14, verse 23. I want you to notice when the word him, H-I-M, in this uh, verse is there, it ought to be lowercase. If in your uh, translation it's not, then that's not the best translation. Uh, It should be lowercase, and I'm going to be talking about that this morning. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home With him. With him. Now can you imagine our heart as being the home for God? Just think about that. I mean that is just unbelievably powerful. That is what our scripture this morning is saying. God the Father, God the Son, when they want to feel at home when they want to feel loved and cared for, where love will meet them, they come to the door of our heart, and then they go in. They go in to your heart. The scripture says about Jesus, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. When the Jews hear Jesus knocking on the door of their hearts, Unless they have started believing the New Testament, they don't go to open the door, and Jesus doesn't come in. The Muslims don't open the door, and Jesus doesn't come in. The Buddhists don't open the door. The atheists don't open the door. The Scientologists don't open the door. And those that are so concerned about being politically correct but have no faith, they don't come to the door and let Jesus in. Many are so far from faith. They're so far from the Bible. They're so far from Christian friends. They're so far from evangelistic services. They don't even hear Jesus knocking. And others that do hear the knocking perhaps grew up in a home where their grandparents or their parents or an aunt and an uncle or someone reached out to them in love. These folks are so enthralled with the world and what the world offers, they pay no heed to the sound of the knocking. Every once in a while, I think that we need to pray something like this. Lord, we are so sorry we took a wrong turn in the 60s. We began to emphasize rights and privileges at the expense of obligations and responsibilities. We need to get back to trust and obey. Some people think, plenty of time, plenty of time for me to go in. Plenty of time for me to open the door of my heart. I have all the time in the world. Doctor said I was in good health. I'm fine. Everything's all right. Right now, I'm real busy. I'm making money. I'm buying a yacht. 
I'm working with my grandkids in Little League. It's so much fun. I'm helping my granddaughter uh, with the ballet. I've had a little ballet in my background, and I want to help her. I really don't have to be concerned about the knocking on the door of my heart for a long, long time. You know, every day that goes by, every one of them, every day people are so surprised when the curtain comes down on their life. And it's over. The curtain comes down. Dr. Ken uh, Weatherington has been, over the years, a dear friend of mine, a doctor in Brandon, chiropractor. I've sent many of you to him, real good, what he did. He helped me a couple of times. Great guy, 57 years old, great athlete, tremendous athlete, in perfect shape. He died. 57 years old. He didn't expect to die. He didn't think he was going to die. Thank the Lord he was a great Christian. Sunday school teacher, deacon, leader, godly man. There are heart attacks. They come. There are car wrecks. They come. You know, everything is great and dandy, and then some fool runs into us from the side and kills us. Happens all the time. There were 3,000 people that went to work on that day. And they didn't think some planes were going to fly into where they were. They thought it was going to be a great day. They had plans for that night. They had plans for that weekend. Yet here came the planes. 3,000 people died. They didn't expect to die. A lot of them weren't ready to die, but they died. The curtain came down. Well, I hope and pray that everyone in this room that hasn't opened the door of their heart to the Lord Jesus would do it Amen. quickly Amen. because the curtain is coming down. It really matters to Christ how you respond to him. Do you meet him with joy every morning? You know, a lot of people tell me I don't meet anybody with joy in the morning. <laughs> I can understand that. (laughs) But you know, we want to meet him with joy in the morning. Because he was with us all night. He loves us. He's watching over us. Do you thank him each day for your food? Now that I've had my gallbladder out, I can eat all kinds of food. (laughs) I'm so glad I just pour that sauce on there. (laughs) Haven't been able to do that for years. It's just wonderful. Well, do you praise him for giving you the ability to make the finances, to to set your life up in the way that you want it to be? God gave you the brains to do that, the body to do that. He gave you the inclination to do that. And we need to praise him for that. The upper room was really a shabby little place. Those of you that have been to... Jerusalem, been around there, you've seen the upper room. It's on a side street on the second floor. It's really kind of a low-rate place. Not fancy at all. Uh, There were some couches in there. There was a table in there. There was a water pot in there. There was a basin in there. There was a towel in there. And that was it. 
That was it. That was all in the room. But that's where Jesus wanted to get his disciples so they could meet together. In that upper room. It was a place that Jesus had chosen. He asked for that specific place. He had planned to be with his disciples there. You know what other place he has chosen to be? Where he really wants to be? In your heart. That's where he wants to be. More than any other place. More than the upper room. He wants to be in your heart. He wants to be in a believing heart. For all of that to happen, you have to make a commitment to him. Not a fleeting five-minute commitment. A lifetime commitment. 1918, an engineer named Joseph Strauss stood on a windswept cliff overlooking the harbor right by San Francisco. He looked at that and he pictured in his imagination a great bridge spanning that wide and often stormy strait. Most people said, well, you can't do that. No way you can do that. Nobody can do that. No government can do that. The winds are too strong. The tide is too powerful. The waves are are so devastating. The distance was too great. The vertical clearance would have been greater than any other bridge had ever been. Strauss believed it was possible. He didn't pay any attention to any of those people. He added commitment to his dream. He sketched a daring plan with suspension span of over 4,000 feet. It would be far longer than anything yet attempted. People laughed at him, but he refused to give up. Finally, years later, in 1933, the work began. There were all kinds of problems. The pier on the San Francisco side was 1,125 feet from the shore. It was totally unprotected from the open sea. A ship came in and rammed in uh, to one of the... uh, things that held it up, just ran into it, partially carried away by a storm. Finally, the piers were completed, the great towers rose, the cables were suspended. Everybody just looked in wonder at what had happened. The Golden Gate Bridge was completed and ready for traffic in 1937. Strauss believed it could happen. And he made that bridge the commitment of his life. When he got up in the morning, he thought about that bridge. All during the day, he thought about that bridge. That night when he went to bed, he thought about that bridge. That was his whole life, building that bridge. Christ wants you to have an even greater commitment. He wants you to have a commitment of our lives to him, to obey him, with all of our life. God has always been at work in our world. We know that. He is now at work around you. And you say, well, where is he? You know, I don't see him. Is he at work around me? Where is he? God always takes the initiative to come to you and reveal to you what he's doing. When he does that, he's inviting you 
to join him in the work. You know, so many of you could uh, say to yourself, you know what I've never done and I'd like to do? I'd really like to build a Sunday school class. Gerald Yentis wanted to do that, and guess what? He did it. It was the largest class in our church. He did a great job. People came because he was prepared. He worked real hard at it. He studied and studied. Did a great job. It happened. You know, if you were to have that kind of resolve about building a class for people to study the Bible, God would bless that. The harder you worked at it, the more he'd bless it. We have a latest member of our church that's a shut-in. She uh, has lived in nice homes all of her life. Now she's in a, a room that's about 12 feet long and about 7 feet wide. And that's it. I went to see her twice this week. I said, do you watch this TV? She said, not much. I wanted to say, well, what in the world do you do here day after day? week after week, month after month, what do you do? I wanted to ask her a lot of those questions. And I wanted uh, to know that, as I would mention her today, that folks in our church family would have the compassion and the commitment to kind of adopt her and to go and be with her on a regular basis because it would so brighten up her life. Jesus clearly said in John 14, 15 and following that by obedience a person indicates whether or not he really loves God. James in his letter to the believers went to great lengths to indicate that faith that does not obey in actions is dead. It's dead. Are you really committed to the Lord? Has anybody asked you that lately? Are you really committed to the Lord? Your actions reveal what you believe about the Lord. Your actions determine whether or not you will be in a growing relationship with our Savior. We all come to a moment of truth in our lives when we realize, you know, I've got to make a decision about this. This just can't rock along forever. And we come to that moment. If we are committed to the Lord, then we obey the Lord. That's the way it works. Obedience is very, very important to the Lord. The servant does not have, throughout all the years, the option to decide whether or not or not he wants to obey. He doesn't have that option. The servant, uh, if he says no, that's open rebellion. And guess what? Such disobedience in biblical times, brought death. You said, no, they killed you. It was real real quick. You know, today, there are serious consequences. If you say no to God, the curtain comes down, it's not good. Some people want God to give them an assignment for them to do. They vow that they will do whatever God asks them to do. But when God looks at their lives, he notices that they're not doing all the things that he's already asked them to do. God has given us, uh, all of us, the Ten Commandments. 
Are we obeying them? When Jesus tells us to love our enemies, now that's, that's real hard to do. Are we doing that? When God tells us all through the scripture to live in unity with Christian brothers and sisters, are we doing that? Sometimes, believe it or not, that's hard to do. God's commands are not given to us so we can pick and choose the ones that we want to do and just kind of forget about the rest of them. He wants us to obey all of his commands. When the Lord sees that we are faithful and obedient in small things, guess what he does? He gives us bigger things and bigger blessings. Don't you love it when the Lord talks about uh, giving blessings? You know, as we follow him, as we do what he asks us to do, the blessings continue to grow. There's great reward from serving the Lord. Commitment, obedience, follow through for God. These are, the, these are the big things. Those are the big things. Those are the important things. And as we do those things, God blesses us. In our verse, our text today, Christ and his Father occupy a place in the human heart which the disciple has prepared with love. The key to entertaining the Lord is obeying his teachings. We know what his teachings are. They're in the Bible. We've had opportunity to read all those. Sometimes people ask us this question. When a person disobeys God's will, does God give him or her a second chance? Does he do that? Or is it all over for us when we make the wrong decision early? Well, it's comforting to know that God often, often gives second chances. When God had a call, had a plan to call Nineveh to repentance, he asked Jonah to join him in that work. Jonah dis disobeyed God because he was prejudiced against the Ninevites. He hated them. He hated the Ninevites. Jonah would like to have seen God carry out his threat and just destroy the whole place and kill every one of them. That's what he wanted. Disobedience with God is, is very serious. Jonah then had to go through the trauma of being thrown into the raging sea and being swallowed by a great fish. Jonah then confessed and repented of his disobedience. God really got his attention. Then God gave him a second chance to obey. Some of the greatest people in the Bible sinned and disobeyed. God did not give up on them. If God allowed people only one mistake, Moses, who broke the tablets, he would never have been the great leader that he was. Abraham messed up with Hagar. David committed adultery. The apostle Peter lied. Paul started his career out by persecuting Christians. God is interested in developing your character and moving you beyond what you've done wrong in the past. He'll let you make a wrong decision. And then his Holy Spirit will try and guide you back to the right path. God loves you. 
He wants the very, very best for you every day of your life. His commandments to you are not to limit you, not to restrict you, but to free you to experience the most meaningful life positive. The most meaningful life that you could ever have. Obedience means joy and uninterrupted fellowship with God. A great hymn by John Stamus reminds us of the relationship between obedience and fellowship with God. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Jesus wants you to commit yourself to him. The more that you do that, the more you will be blessed. Each Sunday I have the, the same thing worrying me, that someone will walk out of the service never having made a profession of their faith in Christ as their Lord and Savior. Every Sunday, I think, uh, you know, those folks have been visiting with us for a long time, but they're, they're kind of on the periphery of what's going on. Why in the world don't they come and join with us and serve with us and make our witness more powerful and stronger because there'll be more of us doing it together? Today, if the Lord is speaking to your heart, Today, you need to realize that God wants to make your heart his home. That's what he wants. And, of course, we want to give him opportunity to do that. We're going to sing a hymn. If the Lord leads you to trust in Christ, to join his church, however he would lead, if you'll just slip out from wherever you are and slip forward and take a stand for Christ, that would just be wonderful. Let's stand together as we sing.